0: It is 2 AM and I just feel like talking because I took a nap at 5 PM. I have a really bad habit of taking too many naps and my naps are whole like slumbers. They're usually two hours long. So now I'm just awake at 2 AM feeling like talking. So I'm gonna talk. Um, This is really like out of pocket, but (laughs) I've been thinking about ever since senior year. I've been thinking about starting a YouTube channel. Ew, I hate that. (laughs) That makes me feel like... because the kids who are in elementary school, all of them dream of becoming YouTubers. Like, that's one of the top dream jobs of kids now. And before, I used to make fun of that. But I honestly, I honestly kind of want to do it. Partially because I think it would i see it as an experiment and starting a youtube channel would be (laughs) it like makes my stomach like cringe saying like starting a youtube channel but starting a youtube channel i feel like okay so in gothic literature there's this idea called the grotesque And the grotesque is any sort of visual stimulation that naturally provokes a feeling of disgust. And it's any image that is so disgusting, revolting, or in some ways um, unnerving, that you want to look away, but you can't. That's what the grotesque is. A good example is um, in horror movies when someone is being killed and you kind of cover your eyes but at the same time you're looking through your fingers and it's like you don't really want to watch but for some reason you're really um, captivated by that image and you're really intrigued by that image. So that's what the grotesque is. And the idea is that all of art or like in horror or gothic literature authors use the grotesque as a way to externalize, externalize whatever it is that they want to. Yeah, so the grotesque is a fruition of an emotion so that the the readers or the viewers can fully experience what the characters might be experiencing or what the author wants them to experience. It's really complex, but for me, a YouTube channel would sort of be a form of the grotesque. Not in a weird way, but the same way the grotesque externalizes what certain characters feel or the way an author wants their readers to feel it would externalize my personality it's an outlet and it would it would kind of be an opportunity for me to see how I create because I think that art does reflect who you are subconsciously and it's an opportunity to figure out what you like and who you want to be. That's kind of why I want to start a YouTube channel. It's not just for like fame. I don't really think <laughs> I want that, but it would. it's just a way for me to be artistic. And that's a very vague sentence. So I guess I could get into that. To me, being artistic is a way to learn more about yourself Because I think that it's really hard to understand your own personality because you know your complexities better than anyone else. And human beings are extremely inconsistent and complex to the point where we don't even understand ourselves because of how much we change. And that change doesn't happen over years. It happens over like minutes, seconds the way we can go from a state of overthinking and stress and being overwhelmed to suddenly finding a state of peace or excitement or sadness or anger we experience this like multitude of emotions that i think makes us feel like we don't know ourselves or it's just like our interests change so much what we want changes so much like is it crazy And I think that art is one way to externalize your personality and your character. And you can actually analyze the patterns that you see and learn more about yourself in ways that you might be consistent or inconsistent, in ways that you might want to change yourself, in ways that you love yourself. I think that's fun. I think it's fun to experiment and see how much you have control over yourself because i think that you do have some control of yourself but there's some things that you don't have control over there's some things that are automatic that are habitual parts of your personality because when i think of a personality or what personality really is i think it's a culmination of behaviors and the way we interpret those behaviors is what we call personality whether someone is nice, kind, um, funny, smart, extroverted, introverted, outgoing, shy um, artistic, analytical like we think of personalities as a culmination of adjectives and the way that we Determine or assign those adjectives is based on observed behaviors. But those observed behaviors are rooted in something as simple as neurons firing in our brain. They're really just habits. Because most of the time, we're not on manual mode. Most of the time, we are functioning on autopilot. And what that means is we're not fully in control and aware of every single one of our thoughts and behaviors because that's really tiring. It's really tiring to have to regulate all of your behaviorisms, all of your thoughts, and all of your emotions all at once. It's a survival mechanism that we use in order to conserve energy. That's what I think. And so how much control over that over those neurons do you really have over those connections in your brain? Those are really hard to rewire. And those connections are what make up your personality. They can be rewired, but it takes time. And uh, I think that for a while, you're not gonna have control. Because those neurons are going to be firing, and they fire at a speed that's faster than your brakes. Your neurons will fire faster than you will be able to stop them. That's where I think we don't have control. But where I think we do have control is being able to rewire our brains so that we don't have to worry as much, or so we don't have to stop our neurons from firing we can control our brains so that our brains can better control us so that we're okay with living on autopilot so that we don't have to be afraid of living on autopilot we don't have to constantly be switching on manual mode because we don't like who we are and i think that's the hard part i think that's what growing up is and i think that's why we have to make mistakes especially when you turn 18 I feel like people see turning 18 or at least Filipinos because turning 18 is your official introduction into adulthood adulthood (laughs) adulthood but I think that being a young adult that's when you should be making the most mistakes because that's when you can do the most learning I fully 100% believe that making making mistakes is the only way you can truly learn anything in life. Because you're doing it yourself. You're seeing it yourself. It's like, if someone were to give you a manual and you're to read it, sure. Like, okay. It's good guidance. And you can follow that manual step by step. You can do everything people tell you to do. Avoid everything people tell you to avoid. But are you really your own person if you're doing that? I don't know. That reminds me of this TED talk I watched. It was about... I forgot what it was called. But he was basically a monk a buddhist monk and he gave this an anecdote and there's basically a man and he really wants to climb a mountain and so he decided that he's gonna sit at the bottom of the mountain in the valley and every time a single every time a person comes down he would ask them how did you climb the mountain and what did it look like on the top and every single time someone would say something different and after a while he accumulated all these stories and all of this knowledge right but he decided you know what since i've already heard so many stories and I already know so much about it I don't really see the point in climbing up the mountain myself anymore and that can be interpreted anyway you know some people might see that as him getting to cherry pick and only take away the positive experiences and sort of get to live in a more idealistic way Kind of like... I'm, like, jumping around everywhere, but when I watched... what is it? Um La La Land. I loved La La Land because of the ending. The ending, I interpreted it as, like, absolutely beautiful because... and, like, satisfying. I found it so satisfying and gratifying because the main character, when she saw ryan gosling i forgot their names when she saw ryan gosling at the jazz club and she sort of had not a flashback but a flash forward about the life she thought they would have lived together you can see how happy it is and that tells you how much she still loves him and that shows you that even though they didn't get to see what their life could have been it's actually a good thing Because nothing can ruin that love she has for him now. Everything gets to stay perfect because it never happened. Everything gets to stay that fever dream, but in the best way possible. And that mountain anecdote is sort of the same. He gets to see the mountain, this thing that he loved and that he pursued, that he was so passionate about. This thing that drove him. And in the end, it still gets to be this positive thing. This fever dream in the best way possible. But there is risk. There would have been more risk if he actually climbed the mountain himself. Because who knows? Climbing the mountain might have made him realize how much... He wasted his time dreaming about climbing it because once he gets to the top, he's unsatisfied and it's not anything he dreamed it would be and he's just sad. So there is risk. There's a lot of risk in making your own mistakes and choosing to see people's advice and experience as advice. And guidance rather than a hard rule cuz you don't know what's going to happen, you know. But I think that's that's a test of character and that ties back into that's something you have control over. It's going to take time. You won't have full control over it at first. <laughs> but when you put yourselves in those situations where you're testing yourself you're putting yourself in a situation where you can learn what you need if you never test your limits you never find out that I need more discipline or that I have enough compassion towards other people you don't know yourself fully unless you really challenge yourself and put yourself in situations that you feel like you're incompetent for like imagine if a sprinter never ran like okay so let's take Let's take someone who just runs 200 meters, right? Hold on, let me sneeze. Oh, excuse me. Okay, anyways, let's take a sprinter who runs crazy fast 200 meter dashes, right? But let's say that they choose to limit themselves and they go, oh, I'm not gonna try the 400 or I'm not gonna try the 300 meter hurdle, I don't know. I'm good at the 200 meters, so I'm going to stick to that. They never reach their full potential because they never choose to test their potential. They never choose to not be good enough so that they can eventually learn how to be good enough. Does any of this make sense? (laughs) Yeah. I guess. You know don't be afraid to make mistakes don't be afraid to make bad decisions because those are the best ways you can learn about yourself and grow and rewire your brain into something that you love but the mistakes that we make are only as useful as the lessons we learn from them so don't Use it as an excuse to slack, to be apathetic, rude, reckless. Use it with the right mindset. I think I'm gonna end it there. Um song recommendation. Hmm. the song i've been liking lately kind of been hating my music for a while let me see checking the spotify i've still been loving clinton kane i watched his <laughs> he has like mini vlogs and they're so funny He's such a funny guy oh prom by sizza that kind of goes with the theme too prom is a good song i could play that song on repeat forever probably not actually it'll probably get kind of annoying but yeah that's a good song what else was a good song i want to do a second recommendation i feel like i listen to every song in my playlist like 20 times Looking through like my indie pop slash alt rock playlist, uh, Sunpunks by Ashes to Amber is fun. Oh, Wildfire by Cautious Clay, I love those songs. Okay, yeah, that's it. Peace. <laughs> What? Fire. <laughs>